Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants, and how they found their own software success. And now, let's get started with the show. Hi, everyone. This is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I talk to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Water of Mixergy, and many more. This is a show where we talk to proven founders about their zero to 30,000 MRR journey and beyond and their biggest challenges during the first three phases of their journey into software. Today, I have Chris Gimmer, CEO and founder of Snappa.com, an easy way to create eye-popping graphics for social media, blog posts, and Facebook ad creatives. Today, we will take a walk down memory lane to find out how Chris took Snappa from zero to 30 to make his software a big break. How are you today, Chris? I'm doing good. Yourself? I'm doing great. Thanks. So why don't you tell me who you are, who your customer is, and what problem you're solving for your customer? Yeah, so I'm Christopher Gimmer, co-founder, CEO of Snappa. Like you mentioned, uh, it's basically an easy-to-use graphic design tool, and essentially we're catering towards non-designers. The main people that are using our tool are small business owners, marketers, social media managers, and the people that need to cre- uh, to create these graphics uh, quickly and efficiently and either don't have the resources to hire or outsource a graphic designer or they don't have uh, an in-house graphic designer on their team. They use our tool to fill that gap, basically. As I understand, it would be something like uh, you attach to libraries like Unsplash or something like that, and you have royalty-free images, and then you have easy ways to drop in like a box and some text or something like that to make it like a blog post image, I'm, I'm thinking in mind, because I use Fiverr right now for that. But it sounds like something that, you know, I could do myself easily. Would you say, it, like, how long does it take? When we started the tool, we realized one of the most beneficial things is having templates. You know, non-designers typically have difficulty starting from a blank canvas. So we have a whole bunch of pre-sized design templates. Um, So we have them for all the various social sizes and blogs and, you know, ads and whatnot. Um, So in terms of how much time it takes, I mean, you can literally pick a size, pick a template, change the text, swap out the background image, um, and you can have something really clean and professional and honestly less than two minutes. If you want to get a bit more creative or really customize it, then, you know, within five minutes, you can have a pretty nice looking graphic. Okay, cool. I'm definitely going to check it out after the show. So tell me, what's your background? How, like, how did you come up with this idea? Where were you? Uh, did you go to uni? Like, where? how long has it been since you've been running this Snappa? Yeah, it's, it's been quite a journey. Um, my background's actually in finance and accounting. I did a Bachelor of Commerce in, in university and uh, was on my way to my CPA accounting designation. And then I ended up taking a trip to Southeast Asia, which completely just changed my perspective on life and <laughs> kind of uh, didn't want to wait for three, four weeks of vacation every year. And, and yeah. yeah, it's funny because I, I hadn't even heard of the Tropical MBA when I first went. Um, I had, so I went with a buddy of mine. He had already planned the trip. And I was actually supposed to go to Spain with another friend, but kind of bailed out the last minute. So I thought, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. I've never been to Asia, but it seems pretty cool. But um, yeah, we ended up in Thailand, Vietnam, and Malaysia. Um, so anyways, I, I get back to Canada where or I'm based in Ottawa. And so I'm working at the federal government at the time. I've been there for, you know, six, seven years. And, uh, you know, nothing against 
the public service, but it, it just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah. I kind of was just, you know, not very fulfilled and kind of want something different. And uh, so I, you know, I just started researching uh, online business um, because as, as I started figuring or as I started thinking about, well, how could I, you know, travel more and how, how can I get a bit more freedom, I just started to come uh, come across people like, you know, the Tropical MBA and and some of these other blogs and, and podcasts and stuff like that. And so I happened to meet my now co-founder, Mark, um, and he was he also just started at the government. Um, See, in Ottawa of, as well? Yeah, in Ottawa. Okay? So, okay. yeah, so we were in the same office. He was, you know, two years younger than me. Most of the people in our office were, were much older than us. Uh, so naturally, we kind of gravitated towards each other. And then uh, I find out that he's, uh, he actually does programming on the side. Yeah. Okay. Um, from there, we, we were like, let's start a business and let's try to kind of get out of this uh, rat race. And we, we started a bunch of things. Uh, it was, it was a, you know, a couple years journey, but eventually it, it, it led to Snappa. In, in doing some research, I, I found out that it sounded like you had some type of a blog going. You had another business that you sold. Why don't you just talk me through that? I'm, I'm interested in hearing the whole journey. I want the journey to get to where, where you're at now. So like zero to first 5,000 in MRR. Talk me through quitting your job and getting to that first 5,000. We launched um, a couple things. Uh, the, the first thing we did was actually student did, Sorry, website. just to interject. Did you do these yeah. on the side while you were still working at a, a government job? So you still had a steady paycheck and you were like, okay, I want to get something going, but I don't, you know, I need to know that I need to build some traffic and stuff. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty risk averse person, maybe a bit less now than I was before. But um, yeah. I mean, when I was in the government, yeah, I was, I was definitely risk averse. So we were, we were doing all this on the side. And so the first thing we launched was like a student dating website. At this time, you know, I didn't really know anything about online marketing or SEO or, you know, validating a product. And, you know, our, our kind of startup knowledge was like watching the social network kind of thing. And so we, we, we launched that and it, it did okay. Like we were, our marketing was basically just, you know, tossing flyers around the school and stuff like that. So we, we got about a thousand signups. Um, but then we kind of realized right away that, you know, because we weren't charging any money, there wasn't really a way to scale the business and um, we can't really raise money for the business either. Not that we wanted to. So that kind of led me on this path to, you know, how do you actually, you know, get traffic? How do you actually make this online business thing work? And so that's when I really started learning a lot about SEO and kind of validating products and, and that kind of stuff. So eventually we were looking for something, again, another product that we can start on the side, but be a bit more deliberate about it. And so we started doing a lot of keyword research and we kind of came across bootstrap themes and bootstrap templates. Um, So for anyone who's heard of like WordPress themes, it's essentially the same thing, but bootstrap is just a front end uh, development framework. And so we, we launched a site called bootstrap Bay. um, And yeah, where it was essentially a marketplace for themes and templates. And so um, we built that up to about $10,000 in uh, revenue per month. I think that was the peak. Um, but we're paying out, you know, the theme authors like 55% and plus other expenses. So, you know, we were only making, you know, maybe three to $4,000 a month in profit at the, at the peak months. And that was between the two of you, between the two of us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, definitely, you know, not something that we can live off of or, or, or quit, quit our jobs job, for. Yeah. 
And so this, and then, so this kind of led into Snappa. So what happened was, so for starters, I was doing all the content marketing. Every time I needed to come up with a blog post or an image for the blog post, you know, we, we definitely didn't have any money to uh, hire graphic designers or, you know, didn't want to go through the hassle of outsourcing and stuff like that. So, you know, I was, you know, cobbling all of this together in Photoshop, but I just found it a bit of a pain. And so that was kind of the first seed of, I, of the idea for, you know, be it would be great if, if there was a tool uh, that was more geared towards uh, marketers like myself. And then the other thing what happened was we wrote um, a blog post of where to get free stock photos. Mm-hmm. And so this is when like Unsplash and Pexels and, and some of these, you know, really nice creative free stock photo sites were coming up at the time. Mm-hmm. That, that blog post ended up going viral. Um, and so we started ranking on the first page of Google for, for free stock photos. When you created this, like, was it an experiment or did you already kind of know like what you were doing with SEO at that time? I kind of knew what I was doing, but didn't expect it to go viral. Uh, essentially, the way it happened was um, at that time, I was reading a lot uh, of Backlinko. Um, uh, Brian Dean, he's a really, really sharp SEO guy. Yeah. And he had this thing called the skyscraper technique, which was basically looking for content that has already done really well um, that other people have produced and then making yours like 10 times better and then promoting that and, and try to get the backlinks kind of leapfrogging content that's already doing really well. The general premise is you, you find something that's ranking that you want to rank for, let's say maybe 2000 words and you just go and just like totally just crush it with like 10,000 words. Is that what it, so you just yeah. spend like a lot of, rather than, you know, just like, you know, spending, spending a lot of time writing a lot of blog posts, you spend all the time writing one killer blog post that's just going to dominate. Yeah, that's exactly it. So what happened was I was on Reddit and um, I think it was the web dev or, or the web design forum and someone had made a post on Reddit and it was just like a link to a Medium article and it was basically just like a list of 10 links and maybe one paragraph of text. Yeah. And it got like 500 upvotes or something crazy like that and everyone was loving it. And I was like, huh, if, if people are going crazy for just a list of 10 links, like yeah. I can turn this into a much better blog post. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's essentially what happened. So I, you know, added the images, I added the descriptions, like which license everything fell under, you know, made it into a much more lengthy and blog post. And so I promoted it on, you know, Reddit and various social sites. Out of all places, it, it ended up really taking off on StumbleUpon. I'm not sure if that site is even. I remember those point. days. Yeah. So that this like 2015, 2016. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. It was yeah. Uh, and I, I I still remember like looking at my analytics. Um, and at the time, you know, if we had ten or twenty people on the site, it was like pretty solid. And there was over a hundred people at the site. I was like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I started seeing all this traffic coming from StumbleUpon. Then after, um, after we started getting so much traffic to that post, we thought, well, why don't we, we leverage this and, and create uh, our own stock photo site um, that we can then plug within our own uh, blog article. And the thinking was we could then um, use that to promote what ended up becoming Snappa because our, our marketplace was plateauing at that time. And like I said, we we're only making a couple grand a month in profits. Uh, yeah. So we knew that that wasn't going to be the business yeah. that would... Uh, take us to that next level and, and enable us to quit our jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when we kind of 
pivoted to creating the, you know, the stock photo site and, and trying to get the SaaS uh, off the ground. So at this time, you starting the stock photo site, when did you come up with the idea for the templates? And did you come up with that or where did you get that idea? We had been doing a lot of research at this point and, and we knew that we wanted to get into the SaaS game, um, you know, the, the, the recurring revenue and, and just having something proprietary because with, with the marketplace, we're basically just selling other people's themes and templates. And the biggest issue was that we weren't the first mover. Um, there was already, uh, I think Rat Bootstrap was the dominant player at the time. And then Theme Forest started kind of moving into that space as well. So we knew that it was just going to be such an uphill battle. Yeah. So once we had the the stock photo site going, we, we started doing some uh, some customer validation to make sure that this graphic design tool, there was going to be a market for it because we didn't want to spend you know, six months or whatever, building mm-hmm. uh, a software tool if it wasn't going to happen. So we, um, the, I think the first thing we did was send out a survey to the people that were using our stock photo site saying, hey, what are you using these stock photos for? And a bunch of people came back and said, you know, using it for content marketing, using it for social media. And we're like, perfect. That's kind of the, the market that we're going after. And then so we did a follow up one and said, uh, so for those that, you know, responded saying they were using it for, uh, those purposes, I said, hey, you know, can I get on a, a 15, 20 minute call with you? Just want to see what your um, process is for uh, visual content, uh, you know, for content and um, social media, whatnot. So I did about 15 to 20, you know, customer development calls and, you know, basically asking them like, you know, what's your current process for creating graphics? You know, who's involved in that process? What tools are you using? You know, do you have a budget for this? All, all kinds of questions like that. Uh, trying to ask them open-ended questions and not, you know, lead them uh, in any way. Yeah, yeah. You know, I found that quite a lot of people had the same issues that I did, which was, you know, yeah, I'm using Photoshop, but it's a pain in the butt. Yeah, we have an in-house designer, but sometimes it, you know, it takes too long to get revisions. It would be nice if I can just kind of... Just do it yourself. Just do it myself yeah. kind of thing. Um, so when we got, when we heard that enough times, and that gave us the confidence to go ahead and actually start, you know, and when I say we, uh, I, I mean Mark, because he, he's the technical guy, I'm yeah, more yeah. on the marketing side. Yeah, so once we kind of validated the, the idea, he kind of uh, locked himself in the basement and started <laughs> hacking away and, and, and working on kind of like a, an MVP. So did you fund it then from, you would take pro- sort of uh, the little bit of profit that you were getting from the themes over and just give it to him to pay for his time? Or did you also account for your time doing validations? That was sort of your side of the business or describe to me the sort of the funding of the MVP. And how much do you think, how much do you, would you uh, put a value on that MVP before you um, started getting your first customers? We basically went into it as 50-50 partners. So essentially, it was all sweat equity. Uh, okay. we, I mean, our costs were like negligible at that point. Was, at this time, are you still working with the, um, the government? Are you still with the government office? Yeah. So at this time, I'm, I'm on a year leave of absence. And, and my thinking okay. on this was like, I really don't want to do this. You know, we've gotten this far doing this on like nights and weekends kind of thing. So I really kind of want to take it to the next level. And, and my thinking was like, you know, if we can't get this off the ground, then maybe I'll go apply for Shopify or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something I'm more interested in. And initially, Mark was still doing nights and weekends because um, he, would, he had just gotten married and they're, they're having a kid. But um, yeah, so, so the cost was basically just our time uh, at this point. Okay. So yeah, it took Mark about um, four months to get the initial 
kind of beta or MVP, if you will, off the ground. And then so we put that out to uh, to a bunch of people and get some feedback. And, and it was actually really well received, but it was, you know, missing a few things. And so at that point, Mark also took a year leave of absence from work because it was just going to take too long to finish it, just just being uh, nights and weekends, especially yeah, one person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so he took a year off. The original beta or alpha, if you will, was was launched July 1st, 2015. Okay. And then we officially launched November 23rd, 2015. So a few months later, and that's yeah. when we put the, the paywall up and, and launched with the freemium model. So you launched with the freemium model, but at this point, you were getting pretty decent traffic from your, your stock photo site and that blog post and probably presumably a couple others. How are you capturing the emails or how are you getting the, what was your sort of funnel to get, get those initial users? Basically, the second we started, you know, coding the product right after we kind of validated it, we threw up a landing page okay. um, on the website. And so what we then did was within the blog post, we had a plug saying like, hey, if you're, you know, if you're looking to create graphics for your social media and content marketing, like, you know, check this out. And then that would lead to our landing page. And then also on our stock photo site, we also had various links and calls okay. to action that led people to our landing page. By the time we um, officially launched in November, I think we had around 5,000 beta users. So yeah, um, that, that, when that you were validating, did you have an idea like what the price point was? Cause I noticed the price point is pretty low, you know, at $10 a starter. Were you sort of running the numbers like, uh, okay, this is what we need to do. And this is where we need to get our emails to, to launch, or was it just all just sort of organic? Yeah, we had an idea that it would be within that kind of ten to twenty dollar price point. That From your seems validation, to be, you were saying, what would what is this worth to you? You know, like per month, that sort of thing. In that space, there's kind of um, either competing tools or even some of the social media tools. I, I find like everything just kind of falls within that ten to twenty dollar uh, range. Yeah, at least for the the the, the starter price point. So that's kind of the the number that we had uh, in our head going into it. Okay, good. So, so you, you launched and once you threw up the paywall, how, how, like how quickly did you get up to your first phase here at 5,000 MRR for this new tool? Yeah, so the way we did it was um, we wanted to incentivize our early users a bit. So um, today our, our pricing is $15 on a month-to-month basis or 120 per year uh, if you pay annual, which works out to 10 per month. Uh, so what we did was we, you know, we sent an email basically thanking everyone for taking part in the beta and providing feedback and yada, yada. Um, and then we said, you know, for this uh, next week, we're going to offer a lifetime discount of, of 33%. So people could either lock in at $10 per month or $90 for the year. So after that first week, we generated uh, $2,000 in MRR just from the people. In, in one week. Okay. In one week. Yeah. Just That's great. From, and then by the end of um, December, which was a little more than a month later, uh, we were at uh, $4,000 in, in MRR. And would you say, would you say that uh, you would attribute most of that to um, using the strategies from Backlinko? Yeah, I mean, that. so the Backlinko post, that definitely got us that one big blog post that, that was generating a lot of traffic. Um, yeah. And then, like I said, we kind of then leveraged that into creating the the stock photo site. So yeah, I would attribute uh, was the pretty stock much photos free though. Yeah. It, okay, yeah. it was free. Okay, so you would yeah. just go through and get the aggregate all the royalty free photos. When we first did that blog post, um, so even like Unsplash, for example, at that time didn't have any search functionality. 
Yeah. Um, a lot of them were just like releasing 10 new photos every seven days or, or the um, first version, the, the website was stocksnap.io. Um, we sold it a couple of years ago. But anyways, a- originally it was like 2000 of the best creative free stock photos that, that we can find. But we literally went through, tagged all the manually and made them searchable. And then we also opened up submissions so people could actually um, submit their own photos. So What's the incentive for somebody to do that? Mainly just exposure. So obviously okay. all the photos um, has the photographer's name, a link back to the website, okay. bio, that kind of stuff. So I think it's a combination of people just wanting to see their their work out there being used and, and also getting some exposure. But yeah, so in terms of, you know, the, the launch for Snappa, and, and this is why, it, it, you know, generally it's very difficult to, to get a, a SaaS off the ground with, with a low price point. We were a bit more confident in doing so because we we had that steady flow of traffic that was yeah, coming in. That's huge. Otherwise, it would have been a lot more difficult. Yeah. So you're a month in and you're at four thousand MRR already. Um, talk me through going from four to fifteen. Was it steady growth or 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 did you run into a few roadblocks? And, and tell me about those. So on the growth side, uh, it was fairly smooth because we were basically just doing the same thing. So every yeah. we we're just leveraging um, the existing. Uh, blog post and stock photo site um, and you know just doing the same thing and just leading people meaning same thing meaning you would do it with another post you would go and use that same methodology and create another sort of uh, on another keyword set or something like that you would go and then do this like killer um, SEO blog when I say the same thing it was just um, you know just leaving the growing the the stock photo site so that we can then okay. you know leverage or leverage that in, into Snappa. And so yeah, so for the first year, you know, Mark was just so busy just adding new features and you know Im- improve the product. And you know, I was doing customer support and trying to fix things here and there on my end. So it was yeah. more or less keeping afloat. And the challenges that we had were more on like the technical side. Uh, like a month after we had launched it, Mark had to actually like rewrite a, a big piece of the app <laughs> just because yeah. it would have been really difficult to continue scaling or add certain features that a lot of people were were asking for. The The biggest features that people wanted was image resize. So if someone created a Facebook post, um, they wanted to be able to easily resize it for Twitter's dimension. Okay, um, yeah. When we first launched the tool, there wasn't an easy way to do that. And then okay. we kind of realized that, well, the way that the app was initially built would have been extremely difficult to implement that unless we, you know, rewrote uh, a oh, big chunk man. of that. Okay. Um, what's the um, co- uh, base code in? Is it PHP or what is it? Um, so the, the initial code was was PHP um, and we're using, I think it was called Fabric.js. Uh, so currently it's in Node.js and we're actually doing um, almost finish a big refactor project in Vue.js. So this will be kind of like the third so version. So is, is it Mark still doing it? Did he have to learn um, Node then? When we wrote it and rewrote it in Node, we had a, another developer at the time. So the two of them okay. were kind of working on that together. Okay, so he did, it sounds like he did have to kind of learn it, but he's, it wasn't too bad for him, I guess, if he's on the job kind of. Yeah, he's, he's a quick learner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's the first year, smooth sailing. What, are, what were you at the, about at the end of the year? I think after the end of the year, we were at about 20K in MRR. And so then at that point, we were starting to get a bit of diminishing returns from just leveraging the stock photo site. Mm-hmm. Um, because the problem was, at this point, we're spending m- almost all our energy working on the actual SaaS app and not 
as much working on the stock photo site. And then some of the other guys like Unsplash and I think uh, Pexels or whatever, you know, they're pouring a ton of energy in, into their stock photo sites. So it was just too difficult for us to keep up with that just because it wasn't our main focus. So at this point, we knew that we, we needed like another marketing channel if we were to, to continue scaling. And so this is when we started really focusing on content marketing and SEO. So essentially taking that, you know, backlinko playbook of finding keywords that are related to, um, you know, our product, writing really good comprehensive content around that, and then mm-hmm. getting those to rank. Just quickly, though, uh, just to dive down a little bit in, into the tactics, is there any kind of keywords, uh, numbers, volume that you sort of start, is there like a sweet spot that you say, okay, this is too much, I can't rank for this, and I want to, you find like, say, 500 to 1500, or is there a sweet spot that you look for? So it depends on the product, right? So for us, we're a freemium tool with a low price point. So if you do some back of the napkin math, Generally, you know, I I think our conversion from like homepage to sign up is like 20% or 25% or something like that. From free to paid, it's, you know, like one to 2% depending on the customer or where they came from. So if we have a a keyword that's ranking for, let's say, or or if we have a keyword with only, you know, a couple hundred in search volume, it's not super exciting because if 100 people see it, 20 sign up and then yeah. maybe like yeah maybe you're not even at where you can get one yeah exactly okay. so um so at least for us we we're we definitely get more excited if, if we're talking thousands now okay. if you're a a consultant who charges ten thousand dollars a month retainer you know maybe you should look at keywords that are targeting 10 10 people a month right because you only yeah. need one to really to to really make your mind. So it, yeah. it all depends on what your unit economics are. Um, generally, the lower the price point and the lower the conversion, the the higher the search volume you're, you're going to go for, and you know, vice versa. Essentially, you would look at a page that's ranked there, and let's say let's call it, it's getting twenty thousand. Um, you're getting okay. That's this is a good one for you. And so you look at that, and do you break down that leading page and say how can we make this better, or, or talk me through your your formula? So we do a combination of things. One is like the competitor analysis. So what we would mm-hmm. do is we'd plug in either all of our direct competitors or even. You plug um, it in where do you are you do, what tools do you like or do you sorry yeah we, we use Ahrefs yeah for anyone kind of starting out I would suggest two things the the first is to just plug in um, all of your direct competitors and then even like your non direct competitors so for example someone like for us because we're doing social media graphics you know we might look at Buffer or Hootsuite's blog. Um, they're selling a different tool, but they're yeah. probably ranking or probably targeting the same type of content yeah, yeah. Um, that we do. So yeah, so we would you know plug them into Ahrefs, look at what pages they have that are ranking, and see a if you know those are pages that are related to our audience, and um, you know if we could you know write something better or if we think we have a reasonable chance of outranking them. The other thing that we do is just take a step back and think like, what are people using Snap for? So in our case, they were using our tool for creating Facebook covers and, and Twitter headers and YouTube thumbnails and all that kind of stuff. So we would literally just plug in the keyword YouTube. We would plug in the keyword Twitter. And then from there, we would say, um, you know, what, what are the long tail keywords or what are the phrases that have the word Twitter in them? Um, so for example, we saw that when we did this, we saw that there was a lot of search volume for Twitter header size. 
you know, we're like, wow, that's that's perfect because if someone's searching for what the Twitter header size and they're dimensions obviously are, obviously going to make an image. They either have a you know something that they're going to upload, or I'm sure there's a percentage of those people that actually need to create one. So yeah, so then we would write like you know lengthy, comprehensive guides on what are what is the proper Twitter header size, you know, things to watch out for, tips and tricks. Um, so that's the kind of content that we would okay. uh, write. Any guidelines on that? Do you like say like, I know Neil Patel says that he's done some, he's done some split tests on 20,000 words and 10,000 and 5,000. And I think he said the sweet spot is sort of 7,500. Um, do you have some guidelines there? I think we usually cap out around 2000. I mean, like if someone's okay, so searching for, that's good. 2000 is reasonable. I can crank that out in a you know half day or something. We have posts that are a thousand words that are ranking, okay. you know, really well. So okay. I would say like if someone's searching for a Twitter header size, you can't like, you can't, a, you can't write go too crazy. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would, this has I would to be really useful is what, probably what it is. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like just put, I would say make it as long as you can without forcing yourself. The, the second you're forcing yourself to, to, to write more, yeah, okay. I would say it's probably too you're, much. You're capping out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and the other thing I would say is that if the top search result is only 500 words or a thousand words, mm-hmm. you know, you can probably do 2000 words and, and be good. If the top search result 3, is like 000, some monster yeah. 20,000 word guide, yeah. then maybe you're going to have to do a 30,000 word guide. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, I would be like, okay, next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's good to know. Okay, good. So, so you've sold at this point, you've sold the, um, the stock photo site. You're focusing on, on the SAS, you're 20,000 MRR. Um, how much at that time was sort of net? Uh, how much were you able to pay yourselves at that time? I don't remember exactly, but we, so after you left after, your government job at this point though, right? You oh probably, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So you did um, that probably after, once you were at 4,000 MRRs and you saw some growing. Yeah. But yeah, basically as soon as we, as soon as we had that initial validation that yeah. that was, uh, yeah. Oh, we I'm sorry. You were actually on, on leave anyway. So that's right. Yeah. That's right. yeah so right. I was on leave and then, uh, yeah. So basically yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't go back Yeah. Relatively um, quickly, we were uh, at least, you know, paying ourselves a, a, a livable wage depending on, uh, I mean, we're in Canada, so Ottawa, Canada, so the cost of living isn't uh, crazy. Now, if we're in like San Francisco or New York, yeah. um, maybe it's a, a, different, a different story. Different story, yeah. I think in, within six months, we hit that 10K mark. And that's where, you know, between the two of us, that, that was a comfortable living wage. And then I think we hired our first developer uh, about a year after when, when we're at about 20K MRR. And that's a node guy, right? That's correct, yeah. Okay, so talk me through this sort of, uh, this, this phase that you've gone now from 20 to where you're at now, which is um, 90,000 MRR. Talk me through that. And how long is that? We're, we're, we're sort of at 2000, mid-2016 when you're at 20K? Yeah, that's correct. So yeah, we're, we're a little over four years into it. Yeah. Okay. So how's the growth been? Has it been fairly linear or have you seen sort of hockey stick growth in the last uh, year or two? So it was fairly linear um, for the first two, three years. And actually 2018, we had a bit of like a down year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 2019, um, I would say our, our content and SEO efforts like really started to kick in. Yeah. Um, and we noticed like quite a big uptick in traffic. 
okay. in 2019. Is that long tail then? I mean, is that stuff for like articles that you wrote in 2017 were finally starting to, to pick up or, um, or was it like your methods had improved and you'd sort of um, fine tune them so that you're like ranking pretty quickly? I would say it was just the, um, we just had more stuff to rank for. The content, like this strategy always worked really well, but yeah. when you start off, you only have one post and then you have two. And, and so yeah. our, our strategy was more focused on, you know, we didn't care about like pumping out a blog post every week or, you know, I find that's a crappy strategy. So we really put a lot of effort into each post. So, it, you know, with a small team, it, it, it took a while. Once you're a year or two into it, all of a sudden you have, all of these blog posts. And then the other thing that happens is your overall domain authority just starts to increase. The posts that were already ranking well start to rank even more. And then what happens is it becomes easier and easier to rank for higher difficulty words. So then we started going for even more difficult, higher search volume uh, words. And then it, 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 it's like a flywheel, right? It, it just, yeah. it just okay. kind of picks up. Okay. Um, so yeah, so the last two years, our, our traffic has just really kind of kicked up a little bit, um, mm -hmm. just because we have a lot more domain authority now. We just have a lot of really good content. We have more backlinks, um, and it, it just kind of snowballs. So just to, to point out to some of our listeners that maybe haven't been to your site, when I went to look at your site, I noticed that you don't have a blog. Is that right? And it just seems like you just have uh, links to these sort of landing pages. Is, is that right? No, we do have a blog. Maybe just because it's not in the header, I think it's probably in like the the footer or something. Ah, okay. So okay, um, so you're doing all of this in your blog then. Yes. You, uh, yeah. You you mentioned that um, writing a blog post a week is a bad strategy, but why do you think that a blog a week is bad? Yeah, sorry. Let me clarify that. Um, when you're when you're first starting out and you have limited resources and yeah. you don't really have a high domain authority, I would suggest for for people to focus on one piece of content first and do everything they can to rank that one piece of content that okay. is going to be most valuable for their business okay. then move on to the next piece at our stage now we're we're pumping out no, i shouldn't say pumping out now we're creating content on a much more regular schedule because we don't have to do nearly as much promotion as we did before to get that to rank so okay. essentially when you're when you're first starting out and you don't have a lot of authority behind your, your website, um, you're probably going to have to focus, you know, a bit more on promotion and, and really focus on the quality and investing a lot in, into that content. And then kind of as time goes on, generally you can focus less on the promotion and more okay. just on creating more content. I want to dive into promotion because that sounds like a really important point. Um, what would, what's your sort of playbook for, for promotion? It's not, I, you, you mentioned um, Reddit. Um, what would you do like now? Let's say, um, well, first of all, take me back to two years ago when, when you're focusing on, or three years ago when you're focusing on those first few key articles, what would be your sort of playbook to promote? Like, what does that, um, what does that involve? Where do you go? What do you do? That sort of thing. Number one, just leverage anything that you can already. Um, so okay. most important thing is an email list. Um, okay. you know, make sure that you're, you know, sending out, uh, the content to your email list, obviously sharing it on social media. Um, communities are much trickier now. So you have to be either really strategic about it or you kind of have to have like a foot into, you know, certain communities to begin with. Back then it was a bit easier. Now, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's quite a bit harder. 
and then the other thing is outreach and guest posting. So outreach again is another one. Unfortunately, it's a lot harder today. We don't do any outreach anymore just because, you know, marketers have ruined everything and, and people yeah. are just getting inundated with like, so you don't uh, do it anymore. I noticed yeah, that you do a lot of blog, but I mean, in a way, wouldn't you say podcasting is a bit like when you come on my show, it's a bit, it's, it falls into your SEO strategy a bit. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, I come on the show, there's a link in the show notes yeah. that's, uh, you know, a link to our site and yeah. you know, that's, that's going to increase our authority. But for, for outreach, we'll, we'll do it if we have a relationship with like a blog array, like we have relationships with, you know, certain marketers and, and certain people at, at, at different companies and, and content and whatnot. But what we won't do is just reach out to someone we've never met or heard before and basically just ask for a link. I get like, I don't know how many of those emails a day and they just go straight to John yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or whatever. It's like, I, I, I just don't, unfortunately don't have the time to read unless yeah. it starts off really good and captures my attention. But even then, if they're just asking for a link, like it's, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it, so like I said, in the beginning, it was a bit, um, worked a bit better. It's a bit harder now, but if you're going to do it, just make sure that it's like super customized. Don't use like some generic template. And um, I would say if, if at all possible, like give them something valuable, however, uh, you know, however you can. The one that's a bit more controllable still uh, is guest posting, right? Um, and even that is getting harder again, because so many people are doing it <laughs> that, yeah. uh you know, people are getting a lot of pitches for, for guest posting and whatnot. Okay. Um, and yeah, so the strategy was, you know, I would go to a blog and say, Hey, you know, we, we've written a, a lot of content, really like your blog. Um, you know, I think I could provide a lot of value to your audience. So for example, if we wanted to uh, generate a backlink for our blog posts about like Twitter header size, um, what we would do is, you know, pitch a, a blog post about, you know, five tips to make your Twitter header stand out or something like yeah. that. And then okay. one of the tips would be, you know, make sure you're using the proper size. We would link back to our own post. So okay. when we did guest posting, we never did it to try to, you know, sell people on our tool or, or drive no, traffic. No, it was just to be to, really, really helpful and informative and make the article really good. Yeah, and, and really just purely for, um, well, yeah, so to provide value and also just to link specific posts that we were trying to and they need to always be original, right? You can't have any duplicate content. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That strategy would still work. You just have to kind of approach smaller, like you know, webmasters and stuff, right? It, it works. It's just harder, right? Yeah, that, yeah. That's 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 all it comes down to. It's just okay. people. I think a lot of uh, bloggers and website owners they just have their guard up a bit more. Yeah. Um, okay. So you're just going to have to you know, you need to have some authority. You need, you need to have actually good content, not spam the SEO crap. Yeah, yeah, you need yeah. to actually provide value. You need to have a, a really good, you know, personal, personalized outreach. Um, you just have to be, you know, you just have to up your game uh, okay. in order to, to get um, results from so it. So is now the, is the organic traffic still your number one uh, marketing approach? Like, do you do any paid traffic? We don't do any paid traffic, so not even yeah, paid search. No. Okay, so it's heavy, heavy uh, SEO and content marketing. Yep. But what's down the pipe for you guys? I mean, obviously you're going to keep growing it, but what's sort of the plans for the product? Um, so, like I mentioned, we're we're kind of at the tail end of a really big refactor project that we're um, really excited about. It's essentially just going to be a really big facelift, um, and uh, just the app's going to just be much 
quicker, much more robust uh, overall. You know, planning to launch that uh, later this year. Don't have exact ETA, but uh, definitely before the end of the year. What we'd also like to work on is to kind of beef up our team plan a little bit. Um, so make it a bit better for smaller teams to collaborate. So sort of increase the uh, LTV and, and things like that. Yeah, we, we've noticed, especially, um, and I'm, I'm sure like the coronavirus and, and all the work from home might have something to do with it, but we've, we've definitely seen an uptick in people saying like, hey, I have a team of like 50 people, can we use your tool? Or I have a team of 100 people, can we use your tool? Ooh, that's a nice, and, yeah. Yeah, and, nice, and right now yeah. it's it's really just not <laughs> not built for that. So I think in terms of like longer term plans, that's probably, um, you know, something that's definitely we're going to take a look at. Of, so that could be like a $500 account or something like that. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Chris, I want to thank you um, for your time. We're coming up to, to the top of our, our agreed upon time. Uh, any Anything um, you want to leave our listeners with before we um, say goodbye? I started to blog a little bit about this stuff on my on a personal site. So if you, you want to read some of that, it's at chrisgimmer.com. Uh, okay. Only have a few posts out there, but I'm, I'm trying to do at least one post per month. If you want to follow me at Twitter, my handle is cgimmer. Tweet a lot about bootstrapping and investing yeah. type of okay, stuff. Okay, that's great. And Ahrefs uh, also has a lot of good SEO content on their blog. I would say Backlinko and Ahrefs, those are, in terms okay. of learning SEOs, are probably the... Two really good resources. Very good bootstrapping techniques right there. Yeah, yeah definitely. Thanks so much for your time, Chris. All right, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Big Break Software Podcast with your host, Jordy Wardman. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web. Keep listening and your software Big Break could be right around the corner. <laughs>